What do you have to worry about? What do you have to worry about? Right now, what is the thing that causes you to lose sleep? What causes you to miss moments? What causes you to be anxious? What do you have to worry about? Worry, if, if left unchecked, can cause physical illness. It can lead to even a general anxiety disorder. But in more practical ways, it can rob us of the moments where we want to be present, but, but we can't enjoy the moment because we're so worried about the future. Today, as we, as we finish up this series on the practice of rest, what it means to be a people of rest, we will look at one of the greatest enemies of rest, and that's worry. But before we do, I want to back us up and, and help you catch up. So if you miss any of the weeks, here we go. The, the first week of the year, we, we started with the question, what will you not do in 2022? And, and we looked at how in order to be a people of rest, we need to put away elective stress. Because sometimes the, the, the stress in our lives is what we've added to our lives unnecessarily. That, that sometimes the stress that we have is a result of our own decisions. And, and so whatever that looks like for you, maybe for you it looks like stopping the endless scroll. Maybe for you it, it looks like not watching so much news. Maybe for you it's even the type of movies you watch. But we just ask the question, what do we need to stop doing in 2022 to be a people of rest? And following up on that, the next week we ask the question, who are you really? Because sometimes our identity, if we're honest, we find it in what we do. But the problem with finding our identity in what we do is eventually we're done. And when we're done with a thing, whether it's being a student or being a parent of a kid who lives at home, whatever it is, eventually that season comes to an end. And when we transition out of that season, who will we be afterwards? But the good news is, is that our, if our identity is found in what God says about us, in who God is recreating us to be, then our identity is, is secure, it's solid. It's, it's found in what God has said about us and not just what we do. And then finally, the, the past couple of weeks, we looked at our stuff. We've looked at how if we keep desiring more and more stuff, or if we hold on to our stuff so tightly, we won't give it up. That still causes us that stress, that unnecessary stress, because we'll never have enough. And if we're not willing to let go of what God has given us, then we can never get the stuff that he wants to give us next. And so we've looked at all these stresses because we need to remember, in order to be a people of rest, we need to put away stress. And so for those of you who may be wondering, Jeff, what do you mean by rest? Do you mean an extended vacation? Do you mean kids sleeping through the night? Do you mean no like late work calls? What do you mean by rest, Jeff? Well, good question. I'm glad you asked. What I mean by rest is I mean the deep joy and peace that comes with following the way of Jesus. Rest is the deep joy and peace of a life submitted to the light and easy yoke of Jesus. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. This has been our theme text. It says this, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That's what rest is, this light and easy burden of walking with Jesus. That just like when you have two oxen pulling a plow, that you have the strong oxen who's able to teach the, the, the weaker oxen how to walk 
the right pace. That's what Jesus is inviting all of us into is a life of rhythm and rest. When I found out that Brooke was pregnant, it was probably one of like the happiest moments of my entire life. And I know that people say that, but I, like, I remember exactly how I felt. Like I remember getting home, it was, it was on Sunday afternoon, it was after church. And so I got home and Brooke had like said she needed to go to the store. No, she sent, I think she sent me to the store. See, of course I remember almost everything. Um, but so, so I come home after she does and, um, and I, I walk in and there's like these little, there's a basketball and then there's a football and then there's a soccer ball and each of them is taped. Will you teach me to play someday? It's like super cute. I would have shown you the video, but I was ugly crying and I don't want you to see me like that. And the reason why I was so overjoyed is because I've always wanted to be a dad. I, I wanted to keep it a secret, like just in case, you know, that wasn't God's plan for me. But like I've always wanted to be a dad. And so I was just so excited to think about this little mini us running around in the world. Well, mini for me is different. Um, but this mini us running around in the world. And I was just so excited to think, you know, of like their first steps, what their voice sounds like, what their face is going to look like. I was just so excited for all the possibilities that God would bring because of it. I began to wonder what it would be like to have a kid, what it would be like to have no sleep. Um, just all these wonderful things that come with being a parent. And it's etched in my mind forever, just like when Brooke walked down the aisle to me. It's just one of those moments that just sticks with you. But then a few days later came, uh, Brooke, Brooke felt she said she felt kind of uncomfortable and, and she didn't know what was going on. And it started, I, I began to worry. I began to ask, is the baby okay? I, I began to wonder down the, the dark area, the, the worry areas. I, I began to ask, will there be a heartbeat when we go to the hospital for the first time, when we, when we go to watch, see the ultrasound? And then when I spilled the beans too early, because I'm guilty of that sometimes, I, I began to wonder, did I share too soon? Am I going to share the bad news after the good news? And, I, and other worries have stepped in too, like, will I even be a good dad? Will I be able to love them well? Will I be able to take care of them? Will we have enough space for them? Will we be able to feed them? Did you know kids cost quite a bit? Yeah. <laughs> They're awesome, but, but they cost a little bit. And so many questions and so many worries, if I'm honest. But have any of y'all ever worried about stuff? Thinking back over just the past couple of years, there have been some shared worries that we probably have all faced. There have been plenty of reasonable things to worry about. Uh, will we still have a job? Will I, will I get sick? Will, will this virus ever go away? Will, what will happen with the presidency? Will, what, what about the vaccines? But, but it's not just the past couple of years. It's all of human history is filled with things to worry about. Even when you're a little kid, you're worried, is my lunchbox cool? Like, like there's always something to be worrying about. But worse yet, have you ever noticed that the more you worry, the more you worry? Like it's like, a, it's like a feedback loop. Like it just constantly goes, like you worry and then you worry about worrying and then you worry about worrying about worrying and it just keeps going and going and going. Like one small cough and all of a sudden you think it's COVID. And, and, but the reality is, is that worry just keeps going and going and going and going and it never ends. It's a never ending cycle of problems and potential problems. And, and that's how we worry works is it continues to steal our joy and rest. Because we are often worried about things we can neither predict nor control. And that's why we get worried, is because we cannot control the outcome or foresee the future. Since COVID has started alone, 
6% of the population has now added on to the 36%, excuse me, 36% beforehand has admitted to having anxiety or depression. And that's just the ones who are admitting it. And I'm not saying that anyone with anxiety or depression is just resulting from worry. There's a difference between worrying for worrying's sake and brain chemistry and trauma issues. I know there's a difference. Don't, don't hear me that say that medication should be replaced with prayer. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this, that many of us, are, our worries are based on our circumstances more than brain chemistry. It's, it's, it's coming from, from focusing on our circumstances rather than what God's calling us to focus on. So whether you're like me, worrying about a child that's born or not yet born, you're worried about your job, your retirement, your health, the country, the pandemic, we, we all could honestly be helped but to look again at worry through a biblical lens, to see what the Bible has to say about this reality that we all face, because God is inviting us to rest in a world of worry. If you're taking notes today, I want to title this message, What Do You Have to Worry About? What do you have to worry about? And if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter 5. But just to give some context to this book, this book was written by the Apostle Peter, and it was written to a church that was, that was experiencing its fair share of worries. In the first century, to be a Christian was to expect persecution. In the first century, Christians were hated by, by Jewish people and Gentile people. They were hated by the religious people who, who hated Jesus as well as the Roman government. And so, so Peter writes to this church to encourage them, encourage these people who, who face worries of death or, or deaths of those that they loved. And as they face these, these deadly circumstances, Peter encouraged them to stick close to Jesus. His goal was that they would remain committed to Jesus despite their awful circumstances. And so this is where we find ourselves today in this book is 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 5, at, at the end of verse 5. It says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. And so Peter starts off with a very important exhortation. He calls us to humble ourselves. If you back up a little bit in verse 5, it says, dress yourselves in humility. Why? Well, Peter quotes the Old Testament to, to talk to them about how they, they should per perceive their suffering. He goes back to the scriptures that were already written. And he says, in the end, God will raise you up at the right time. That if you stick close with Jesus, eventually you'll, you'll be lifted up when God is ready to do that. But it also connects to worry in a significant way. Because the root of many of our worries is pride. Well, how is that possible? Well, think about the causes of our worries. The, one of the oftentimes, one of the main causes for our worries is because we can't control the outcome. We can't know the outcome. And, and so because we are people who are self-sufficient and very good at doing things the way we want them to be done, the one thing we can't control becomes the one thing we become obsessed with. And so our worries typically come because we have no ability to control the outcome or we don't believe the outcome in the end will be good. 
And so worrying is not an overt pride like boasting in oneself or thinking too highly of oneself. No, instead, worry is a subtle form of pride seeking to control. And it causes us to doubt God's provision, to doubt God's trustworthiness. It causes us to take our eyes off of Jesus and focus on our circumstances. The best illustration I know about this is actually coming from the life of Peter. Because Peter, when he was with with the other disciples, they were going across the sea one time, right? Jesus had just preached this message and and he had fed the 5,000. And they're about to cross the sea and Jesus goes to pray, right? And so they go into the sea and these fishermen are out on the sea and it's, it's getting crazy. The waves are, are, are crashing around them. Um, just, it's just constant craziness in there, and, and, and they're just trying to make it. And so Jesus sees them from the hill struggling in the water. He goes, okay, I'll go to you. And so he goes down the hill, walks on the water to them, and like, this is a ghost. Like, this is it, guys. Like, the water's bad, and ghosts are here. We're done for. And, and, and <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus, Jesus says, no, don't worry, guys. It's me. You don't have to worry. And Peter being full of faith and wanting to show everyone else that he was full of faith, says, hey, let me walk to you. And, and just think about this for a second. Like, Peter even asking that, I wouldn't have even asked, I mean, I don't know how to swim, but I wouldn't have even asked that question. I don't think most of us would have thought to ask the question, hey, can I walk to you? But Peter's full of faith, right? Like, he's like, okay, I'm gonna do it. Let's do this. But what happens? He, he, he takes a couple steps, right? Everything seems to be going great. Everything seems to be going well. But then he begins to sink. Why does he sink? Because he takes his eyes off of Jesus onto the waves, right? He, his eyes come off of Jesus and onto the circumstances. And, and thankfully, Jesus saves him and, and pulls him out. But, but in that moment, we see Peter experience something that I experienced, that, that Peter had lost his wonder and it experienced worry, that wonder gave way, gave way to worry. And that Peter's lack of focus and trust on Jesus, him taking his eyes off of him, led him deeper into the waves. And, and it's vital that we see what's happening here. Peter's worry was completely reasonable from a human perspective. The waves were real, and it was already dangerous in the boat. It was already dangerous before he had even stepped out on the water. But still, even in the midst of the reasonableness of Peter's worry, Jesus wanted Peter to trust him. Remembering that Jesus is in control and that he is God and that we are not, that is vital to trading worry for wonder, for trading away our reasonable questions about what might happen to what God might do. Now, here's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you can't ask good questions. I'm not saying don't be reasonable. I'm not saying that you can't have reasonable objections. What I'm saying here is that if we allow all of our circumstances to determine how we view God, we will always have enough reasons to reject what he wants. But if we focus on God and realize who he is, that he's created everything, that he's in charge of everything, that he is God and that we are not, then we might begin to see life through a different lens. And this is why humbling ourselves before God is so important because we recognize that there is greater rest found when we remind ourselves that God is God and we are not. But it isn't just about humbling ourselves. That's not just what God wants. God doesn't just want us to fall into line just because he says so. He could, but that's not why he wants that. It's also because God cares about us. Verse seven, it says this. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. 
Because it's so important for us to get this. In the, if you translate it as literal as possible, it literally says, cast all your anxiety on God, for he is anxious for you. Now, if that makes you nervous for a second, let me explain. God can't be anxious in the same way we are anxious because our anxiousness is caused by our lack of control. God is never out of control. But the intensity, the exact same intensity that we feel when we care about something, God cares more about us. God cares more deeply for you than whatever it is you're worried about. Whatever it is that's obsessing you, that's causing you to lose sleep, whatever it is that's bothering you all the time, whatever that thing is, however intense you feel it is, God is more intense in his care and love for you. That's what, that's what this verse is saying, that God cares for you. God's not just calling you to humble yourselves to some despot, some ruler who doesn't care about you. No, God is calling you to humble yourself because he, he cares for you. He's saying, understand, child, I'm the dad. I know what's going on. You don't get it yet. God cares more deeply for you than whatever it is you're worried about. And this is the God we see in Jesus in, in, in his visit to Mary and Martha. In Luke chapter 10, it says this. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. In this moment, Martha is worried. She's worried about a reasonable thing, right? Dinner needs to be cooked. Like, you ain't going to feed 13 guys with just a couple of loaves. I mean, Jesus can do it, but Martha can't. And so Mar Martha's thinking about, she's trying to make the food, right? She's trying to get it all ready. And then she sees Mary just sitting there. And she's like, what is wrong with this? What's going on, Jesus? Don't you care? And have you ever asked that question? God, don't you care? Can't you see what I'm going through? Don't you care? Just like Peter, her... her her worries removed her focus from who Jesus is to what was going on. Her, the circumstances had overwhelmed her perspective. Her worry had gone so far that it, it made her mad at, at Mary's wonder. She was upset that Jesus allowed Mary to wonder at Jesus' feet rather than, than focusing on what she needed to do. So it's not unreasonable that she was upset. It's not unreasonable that she wanted help with dinner. But however, her circumstances, again, they distracted from what God was doing. Jesus was telling this story about the, the kingdom. He, he's inviting Mary and Martha into this new way of being. Remember, in the first century, women were treated almost as less than kids, and kids were treated as, as way less than regular people. That was the first century. But here, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's invited to be a disciple equal with the men. There's this new kingdom thing going on and all Martha can think about is dinner is taking forever without Mary's help. But the reality is, is each of us, if we're not careful and we just focus on our worries, we miss the new thing God is doing. If we're not, if we're not focused on the new thing that God is doing, we can easily be focused on all of our circumstances. This is something we can all be dragged away with. But oftentimes our worry our worries are about important things. Otherwise, we wouldn't worry about them. If it was just simple things, we'd, we'd eventually go, okay, I don't need to worry about it. I mean, I would take longer than some of you, but, but we would eventually go, okay, it's, it's, if it's a small thing, no big deal. 
But, but our worries should be turned into prayer rather than more worry. Because no one can experience rest while we are worrying about things we cannot control. And Peter says not only that we shouldn't worry, but yet better yet, we take our worries to the only one who can do anything about it. We take it to God, the one in control, the one who loves us, the one who cares about us. So, so we trade our worries for wonder by humbling ourselves, remembering that we are not God and he is. And we do it by casting all of our worries and cares on the God who cares for us. Continuing on into verse eight and nine, we see Peter exhorting us regarding our enemy, the devil. He says that we must be on alert and watching out for him. Again, the original audience was supposed to take this in regards to persecution. They were being tempted to walk away from the faith because of the immense persecution they were under. That's what it means to be devoured by the devil, is to walk away from the faith. But it still applies to us in the 21st century in, in regards to worry, because the devil, as the father of lies, still wants to direct us away from Jesus and towards our worry. He'll do anything and everything he can to deter us and distract us from Jesus. Now, here's not what I'm saying. The devil's not omnipresent. He's not omnipowerful. He's not everywhere and he can't do everything. However, his goal of having the whole world deceived from who Jesus is and walking away from him is still the goal that he's aiming for. It's not that the, the devil is some red dude with some pitchfork stabbing people. That's not what's going on. No, but he is, he's, this, he's the king of these forces that, that cause us to walk away from God. He, he wants that for us. And he's not always the one doing it, but he's always the one celebrating it. And he does this sometimes through our worries. Yes, some of our worries are because we want to be in control, but some of them are externally motivated. And some of them are spiritual forces attacking us. Not every worry is attacked by the devil, but we shouldn't be so quick to assume that none of them are. Not every time we remember something we should worry about, are we worrying about it just because we're worried? We do have an enemy. I don't want to spend too much time focusing on this, but I want to remind each of us how important it is to remember that there is an enemy of our souls and he is working against us. He isn't God's equal, but he is in opposition to God. And who would win more to have God, than to have God's people about, worry about things that might happen instead of wondering what God will do? So we see that our worries can be caused by our pride. They can be caused by our desire to control things. Our worries can be caused by our enemy who wants to distract and, and, and deter us from following Jesus. We, we see that God wants to, us to take all of our worries to him, the one who cares about us, remembering that God cares more deeply for us than we care about our worries. Still, how do we make that transition? How do we move from worry to wonder? I got home on Thursday night after work and um, I ate some leftovers. Now, for those of you guys who don't know me, I love leftovers. I grew up in a family of six siblings, and so um, there was never leftovers. Uh, the goal was just to have seconds sometimes. Um, big families have that in common, I think. But so I didn't have leftovers a lot as a kid and, until I got older, and then I didn't want them anymore. I don't know why. But when Brooke and I got married, we found out we're really good at making food for five to 10 people. And so I love leftovers. It's really great. I don't think the little one will impede that too soon, but that's okay. Well, this particular food had been in the fridge for a couple of days, and it wasn't something that Brooke had made, and it's something that didn't keep as well as other foods. And if you know where I'm going, don't get ahead of me too far. I didn't think too much of it though, and I ate it and went to sleep. But then I woke up a few times in the morning feeling super nauseous, and I didn't get much sleep that night. And after doing my usual hypochondriac speed run through WebMD, I found out that the new, the new COVID variant shared a lot of symptoms with what I was feeling. 
And by Friday uh, afternoon, I was fully experiencing the symptoms. And, and so, you don't have to worry, I won't explain what that is. But <laughs> as soon as I could, I went and got tested. I, I, I made sure I was okay, so I'd be here today. I'm negative, don't worry. I mean, I am not negative, I'm COVID anyways. Um, thankfully, I don't have COVID. But even into late afternoon Friday, I was just feeling really crummy. And I was worried about the service today. And I was worried that, that how we were going to figure it out. How, how is this all going to work? I was hoping that by Saturday morning, I would know whether or not I would be here. But maybe you also caught that. I was worrying about a message on worry. Um, I was faced with an opportunity to worry, and I took it. But another thing happened last week as well, that uh, we, we had a, someone reach out to us and they had, they had told us that, um, that they hadn't felt their baby move in a little bit. And um, they were getting nervous and so they, they headed to uh, the urgent care. And I just remember in that moment just thinking like all of my worries about our baby and all of my fears about what could happen. And I was heartbroken thinking about what could happen, the problems that might have happened Thankfully, the, the baby is, is doing all right. But it's in these moments that I realize that what's going on right here, right now, is not just me sharing some information with you guys. Like, it's really important that we get this worry thing figured out because each of us will be faced with moments either like my food poisoning or, or, or worse, where worry will creep in and we need to know what to do with it. It's in these moments that we, we need to remember that, that Peter charging us to cast all of our cares on God is an invitation to rest. It's not just a truism that removes human emotion. It's not as if Peter is saying, why can't you just figure it out? It's not like Peter's just saying, why, why, haven't you got this already? How long have you been a Christian and you still worry? That's not, what, that's not what Peter is saying at all. This is a reminder that the only way to be able to have rest in a world of worry is to trust God with everything. Peter's goal isn't that we would evaluate our spiritual health on whether we worry or not. No, he wants us to see our whole life as being important to God and worthy of sharing with him. It's not that spiritual maturity is a lack of of worry. No, spiritual maturity is the ability to see that God cares about everything and is calling you to share everything with him. God's desire for your worry isn't that you begin to beat yourself up for worrying, but that you recognize his care in your worrying. A couple more verses to help us see this point. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The psalmist says, Be still. He's saying to all of us like Martha, be still. He's saying to all of us who like to busy ourselves when we're worried, who, who like to keep up doing things. He says to all of us, be still and know that I am God. God is saying, you don't have to have it figured out. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the solutions. I do, just trust me. He, he will be exalted over everything. He's exalted over all our worries already if we're just willing to see it. He's saying, be still and know that I am God. God will be exalted over all our problems. He already is. But it also flows into this next verse, which is Romans 8, 28, which says this, and we know that God causes everything to work for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This verse is the basis for our trust in God. Not that everything that happens is good. Not that everything that happens is the way we would have planned it, but that God works all things for good. Not most things, not only the good things, 
Not only the things we like to remember, not only the things that, no exceptions. God works all things for good for those who love him. It doesn't make the things that happen to us any less difficult or bad. It just means we have a good God who's in control, working all things for good. And he's trustworthy. And since this is true, since God really does work all things for good for those who love him, what, it, what might it look like for us to look differently at the future? To look at the future and wonder what God might do. Verse 10 says this. Uh, it says that God will, this is from chapter five. Uh, God will restore support and strengthen us and put us on a firm foundation. In other words, the future that is to come is filled with the security of the promises of God's goodness. The future that is to come is filled with the security of God's goodness. So what do we have to worry about? What do you have to worry about? You see how that question changes with our perspective? It, it changes when, a, if, our, if our focus is on our circumstances, that question is negative. What do you have to worry about? Well, let me list it for you. But if our eyes are focused on Christ, what do you have to worry about? If God is for us, better yet, since God is for us and he promises us a future, what is there to worry about? Look back at your own life and, and the worries that you've had. Has any of your worrying actually helped you with the problem? And even if it did, even if it did come to pass even, did, it didn't help you feel any better? Doesn't worrying just rob us of the rest that Jesus offers? This week I went back into the baby's room. Uh, it's the back room of our apartment. And I, I walked in there and I started to think through all of the worries I had, all the questions, right? Like, is the baby gonna be okay? Am I gonna be a good dad? And I, I thought, back on all my, thought back on all my worries and I, I decided I'm gonna change my perspective. I can't control what comes in. I can't control all the worries that come in. I can't tell my mind what to think all the time. But I can control what happens afterwards. And this time I decided to wonder again, what will it be like to hold them up? What will it be like to, to watch them grow up? What, what kind of person are they going to be? And, and I, I felt the baby kick. Not in the room, in Brooke. Important clarification. Um, but but, but I, I began to wonder again. I, I decided that I wasn't going to let my worry take away the wonder. And even now, I, I'm wondering what God might do through their life. And so I would encourage you to be praying for them. I pray for all the babies. But pray for them. Because God is going to do something amazing through this life. He is. I don't know what that's going to look like. I have no control over any of the circumstances. But I do know that God is going to do something. And I know that I'm not going to be a perfect dad, but I don't have to be because we already have a perfect heavenly father. I just need to love them as best as I can. But it's not just my worries that need to be transferred for wonder. All of us can move ourselves. I, I'm, I'm no expert at this. I'm just showing you one small way that it worked in my life. All of us can move ourselves from life of worry to life of wonder. The reality is when the future comes, we have no control over what happens. We can only control how we look at it. We can only choose to look at it whether through the eyes of worry or through the eyes of wonder. We must, we must remember that we need to humble ourselves, realizing that God's God and that we are not. We must remember that there's an enemy who seeks to destroy us and deter us from God. We must cast our worries on God because he cares for us and we must believe in his future promised goodness wondering at what he might do. And the good news is, is that as we do that, it will change the direction of our thoughts. 
We can't choose what comes into our brain, but we can choose where it goes when it gets there. God is working all things for our good. And so, what does the future look like when we wonder again? What do you have to worry about? Since God is for us, who can be against us? For if he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, won't he also give us all things through him? I want to invite the, the band up to close this morning. And, and as, as they come up, we're going to take a moment to uh, think about communion. You may, as you walked in, you probably saw the packet on your chair. So even this morning, as we, as we think about worry, and we think about the, the things that we can't control, right? Uh, we, we're trying to believe, trying to hopefully work on believing that God can work all things for good, right? One, one of the clearest pictures of this is the cross. That in every human reasonable sense, it, it makes no sense how the cross could be good news. It makes no sense how the death of the innocent for the guilty, the death of the just for the unjust, it, it makes no sense how that could be used for good. How could that be used for good? How could God make something good out of something that bad? And it doesn't say that the cross was, was good in the sense that the crucifixion is good. It's not. But just what God did through it was good. And so if God can turn the cross into the resurrection, what can he do with our circumstances? What might he do in the future? Um, as we partake this morning, I just want to invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, you've been so good to us. You've been so good to us from before we were born, when you knew us, to all the way to this moment right now when we're sitting in this room or we're watching online. God, you've been so good to us all of our days. And yet, because of our life and the worries that come up day after day, we can be so easily distracted by our circumstances. And it's not that we meant to get there. It's not that we meant to take our eyes off you. Just like Peter, we, we weren't trying to walk away from you, but we just moved our eyes for a moment and worry crept in. Lord, this morning, as we partake in communion, as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, remembering that, that all of sin for all of time has been paid for by your son, and that now we're invited into this new life with him. God, would you transfer us from worry to wonder? Would you move us from being a people focused on our circumstances and focused on the things out of our control instead to focusing on you who is in control? And with that good news, God, would that good news motivate us to live lives of rest, wondering about the future you might have? Because, Lord, because of the cross, because of the resurrection, the future is good. Whatever may come, we know that one day you're going to come back and restore all things to the way it was meant to be. So we know that no matter what happens, the best is always yet to come with Jesus. And so this morning, as we partake in communion, God, would you remind us again of your great love for us, the love that spared no cost, because of how greatly you cared for us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may take.